From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. Hello and welcome to another special edition of Two Mr. P's in a podcast with me, Mr. P. And the other Mr. P. And we are back with one of our Chinwag sessions and we are delighted to welcome the author of the Charlie Changes Into series and his new book, Uma and the Answer to Absolutely Everything. Welcome, Sam Copeland. How are we doing, Sam? Hi there. I just realised, just as you were doing the introduction then, the, the, the peas in a pod, podcast joke. Yeah. I mean, you, you would think... That considering my life is essentially built around terrible puns, I would have picked <laughs> up on that. But it's only as you said it, I was like, oh, two peas in a podcast. That's the one. That's the one. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, let's hope I speed things up as I go along, <laughs> or else this is going to be a long, slow podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, are we doing all right? How are you surviving lockdown three? Um, yeah, I mean, like the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to you know I, i'm hoping in a few weeks time spring's going to be here we're all going to be getting jabs and it's going to be a, we're going to be in a different place different yeah place together that's uh, the dream isn't it you can compare it to you don't think back to the first lockdown that was it was you know it's pretty scary times scary yeah times. i'm not saying it's not scary now but at least we can hopefully see an end yeah i mean I, i'm not gonna lie i i preferred the first lockdown I think there was a novelty element to the first lockdown. You had the weather also, as well. You had the weather. It was sort of like new. We 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 were quite happy doing things like Zoom quizzes. It was all yeah. very sort of refreshing. And it was like, oh, this is very different. I feel like with this, especially January, we're recording this on February the 1st. That January felt like the longest January ever. Yeah, it did. It, 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 it went on. It yeah. went on. So, it's, uh, sorry for Zoom quizzes. I feel sorry for them. We all loved them at the beginning, and now um, yeah. I think I think it got to a point where where people stopped caring about winning. And I think when <laughs> when you're doing a quiz and people stop care about winning, it just then turns into a bit of a. Then you always get the one who who still cares about winning, which was always kind of me. That's and me then everyone, as well. everyone gets annoyed at you. Why are you taking it so seriously? We're in lockdown. Just like, you know, what you're getting is not even anything on the line. And you're just a bit like, yeah, but I, I knew the answer. I, I was, I have to say, I, I wash my hands um, all the time due to, <laughs> no, I wash my hands of Zoom Zoom quizzes uh, a while ago. But going, going off, I agree. It, it's, you know, the first time was scary, but I think, I think you're right. This time, the weather is massive. I mean, I drank, so much more lockdown one than I've drank lockdown three. I mean, I was, I was bordering. <laughs> it was becoming, 
is becoming unhealthy. <laughs> oh, my my lock, lockdown lockdown one tan was amazing. Yeah, the tan I got in lockdown one. Oh my god, best tan I think I've ever had in my life. <laughs> well, that was it. You could just sit in the garden. You could do. I mean, have you found? Have you found? Are you are able to stay productive? Like in the in the situation. I mean, I suppose as an author. Had, I've actually had the most productive year of my life, actually. I didn't realise quite how much um, it took it out of me, the, the commute. Cramming on the tube at 8.30 in the morning, yeah. and I'd get to work, I'd be absolutely bloody knackered, and yeah. I'd, I'd slump down at my desk, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was exhausted. I couldn't even shove a piece of paper across the table. And I'd get home and at six o'clock and it'd be bloody microwave meals or what have you. But now I, I've just got so much more energy. Yeah. Oh, good, good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm struggling to keep motivated at the minute. I think that that level, of, that, that it's the enthusiasm that went into that first lockdown where Zoom quizzes were really, you know, refreshing. It was something different. But those energy levels have just been steadily waning. And in the past month, I mean, we've struggled. We, we were trying to get like a Zoom going with just our family. And it's and it's taken all January because <laughs> it's one of us, one of us within our immediate family will just be like, oh, I'm not feeling very well tonight. And it, right, we'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. And we've still, it's February now. We've still not done it, have we, Adam? No, I mean, it, I just wanted to go back, Sam, when you were saying, you know, when you were, when you were at work and you were putting them microwave meals in, what microwave meals are we talking? I, I'm experienced in the old microwave <laughs> meal. I, I suppose the classic would be the the the, the two forty nine spaghetti bolognese in the microwave. That's classic. You know, it's a classic. You can't go wrong with it. You can't go wrong with it. Apart from the posh ones that slip in mushrooms. <laughs> no one. I didn't ask for mushrooms. I didn't ask for them. It's like it's like um, when you get raisins in carrot cake. Don't get me started on raisins in carrot cake. Uh, I'm I'm against any sort of fruit in chocolate or cake. Not a vegetable. Sort of fruit. I agree. I Just I not agree. on. Like I'm not a fan Apart of from chocolate, chocolate orange. No orange. You can't even do chocolate orange. Nah, nah. I, don't, I just don't think it adds anything to it. Two separate things. Keep them separate. I'll have them when I want, you know, I'll have an orange as one of my five a day. I don't want to be touching it when I'm going near chocolate. Chocolate orange counts as one of your five a day. <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> um, and I've only just realised you two have the same surname. I'm so slow. <laughs> what's, what's the relationship between you two? So we're, we're brothers. Brothers, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, so. So who, who's the older one? Oh, come on. Go on, have a guess. I'm not going to guess. <laughs> Hang on, I can't, I can't, I'm looking at you. Adam, you say something. So it flicks back onto um, you. Two Mr. P's in a podcast is a very funny name. Oh, you're the younger one. You're yeah. The younger. <laughs> you're the younger one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to make sure of that. That doesn't really get, that doesn't really get uh, muddled up that much, does it? But I feel like, you see, I'm like... I've got like a basic webcam. It's like it's like being a child again. You know, I used Don't to get blame it on the webcam, bro. I used to get Lee's hand-me-down clothes. Now I've got his hand-me-down webcam, uh, <laughs> and and he's got himself a nice little HD deal. So I feel like he definitely <laughs> looks better on the on camera than me. But 
Yeah, he's older by four years. Four years, man. Well, if you get I, I've got an older brother, four years older as well. Yeah, we've also got a middle one. So I'm the eldest, Adam's the youngest, and there's another one in the middle, but he doesn't work in education, so we left him out of it. Okay. Yeah. One too many P in a pod. <laughs> yeah, doesn't really work, does it? Three P's in a pod. Nah. Nah. He's desperate to get on an episode, though, isn't he, Adam? He is, but then when you listen to him talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I mean, it's funny the name. I love that you brought the name up. Um, not going to lie, as a very talented author, shocked you didn't get the name. <laughs> I'm shocked and embarrassed. Now I'm thinking she cut it out. Cut it cut it out of this podcast. I don't want people to realise that I'm so um, stupid. <laughs> and um, we're actually, we were talking on a, on a family holiday just through funny stories, and it was Lee who said, oh, we should do a podcast. And I was a bit like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because uh, I didn't really know much about podcasts. And then when we were trying to come up with a name, it was kind of like the perfect meeting because he said, oh, what about two peas in a pod? And then I went, well, what about two Mr. Peas in a podcast? And then it was like fireworks. We, we had loads of boneless wings. <laughs> the, 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 that was my favourite bit. Then the name. The yeah, name I... was a close second. It's all been downhill from there. That was, yeah. that was your high point. We peaked, certainly peaked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us all about your new book, Uma and the Answer to Absolutely Everything. Um, is it is it been released yet or is it? It was released, yes, last week. But yeah, about eight, nine days ago. Something all right, like OK. So you want to tell us uh, a bit about the story? Yeah, it's all about a young girl called Uma who finds um, an AI artificial intelligence the bits a bit like um alexa or siri except that it can answer any question in the world it can answer anything so i could ask it um what color underpants is adam parking i mean why i'd want to know this i don't know i mean i can answer, I want to know answer. he's not wearing any I don't, I don't want to know i don't want to know but it could answer what color underpants is adam parkinson wearing and it, it, it no it would so, if there was a question you wanted to ask, what question would you want to ask if that was I mean, a real thing? For me, the number yeah. one question I, I, that I want to know, well, firstly, the smart question would be, what three questions should I ask that would most benefit me? But yeah. that's, that's boring. What I really want to know is, um, have aliens ever landed on the Earth? That's Ooh. what I want. That's what I want to know. That's and it goes back, it's the same question. It's literally the same question I would have asked when I was seven years old. I've, I've, I've not progressed at all yeah. in my maturity. Um, yeah. No, I mean, what would you, would you, do you reckon they have? Are you a believer? Yeah. Yeah? Why not? You might as well believe. You might as well believe. Life's Why more not? interesting if you believe. Yeah. What about you, Adam? What question would you ask? I thought you were saying, do I believe in? I was going to say, in my past dating life, there's definitely been a few aliens in there. <laughs> um, what would I ask? It's a tough question, that. Um, you know, why Why did uh, Brian McFadden leave Westlife? I want the real reason. <laughs> do you know um, what? You two, you two, there's a bit of Westlife about you two, actually. I, I think you could... <laughs> Oh, oh, you just, just made Adam's year. That's a huge, huge I am I am simply flying without wings now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, I wonder what I, I don't know what I'd ask. What's the biggest unanswered questions in the world? Did did uh, did Prince have two ribs removed? <laughs> <laughs> you, must have heard that rumor. you must have heard that rumor at school, Sam. Is this an operation you'd be interested in receiving yourself? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you do know? <laughs> of course I know. Yeah. And you get it put through medical, for medical reasons, or cosmetic. Yeah. I'd have to get all my ribs removed because my gut will be in the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, maybe like which, which child originally fell off the back of the chair which made every teacher say, don't lean back. And <laughs> I was talking about this with, with my kids. And yeah. they were saying, they were saying um, that uh, they didn't believe. They were just like, no one's ever fallen back. It's just one of these things that you tell them, don't, don't fall back. And actually, uh, my wife did. That actually happened to her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you something else. I have slipped over on, an, on a banana skin. Have you? I've literally slipped over on a banana skin. And, you, and until it's happened to you, you can't believe how slippy they are. Oh, yeah. my God. So slippy. So slippy. Did you do, did you do like, an actual, like, really, like, whoa? Or did you do one of them, like, whoa? <laughs> You're actually in a cartoon. No, it was more like a wah, 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 like that. It was a bit like that. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um what what questions does does what's the big question Uma asks in the book then? Um, I think the big question that she asks, which there is no answer to, is um, when will she be happy again? Right. Because um, there was a tragedy in her life. Her mother passed away, and because of that, her father sort of locked himself inside in, inside himself and. Um, just became, it just stopped speaking, stopped speaking. It was just grief. So when you start the story, it's this very dysfunctional unit. It's, it's her and her father, and the father doesn't speak. And she is a deep, they're both grieving, and that she's a deeply unhappy child. And although you don't really pick up on that. Um, um, and yeah, and she asks, she asks Athena, that's the name of the AI, when will I be happy again? Right, and and uh, what? Because where did... the book, um, the, I think the point of this is that the, the, the book is there are many questions that can be answered if you have a, a an AI that can answer anything, but there are actually some questions which can't be answered. Yeah, and where was where did the inspiration around that sort of story come from? What inspired well, you to? Well, the inspiration to uh, the AI side of things was we bought an Alexa. And um, my um, uh, my son kept asking it questions. Yeah. And when he was asking it ridiculous questions, which I knew it, it could never answer. And that's when the sort of light bulb came, yeah. came on. Um, and I, I started thinking, well, what happens if you could have an AI that, that, did, that could know everything? Um, you know, it can... It, it can read every single private message. It can read every single WhatsApp message. It can look through every webcam. It can look through, uh, it can hear every through every phone. There is, it knows all government records. There's, it, it, there's no secrets from it. Alexa Terrifying. already does that, doesn't it? 
Sorry? Alexa already does that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's basically just Bill Gates. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was reading about how um, they, they were saying that because Alexa basically records all your conversations, it's starting to predict when couples will get a divorce. Like it can predict, you know, based on... Because it just listens to everything you say. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. turn it off in the settings and it can yeah. collect all that data. See, that would be a great question to ask, is when when am I likely to get divorced? Because then I could get myself in really good shape. <laughs> <laughs> so, just so when I'm back on the old single scene, I can start getting back. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go sneakily ask Alexa. My wife's going to overhear me. Yeah. She's like, what, what did you just ask Alexa? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I do like Alexa though. I, every day I just play a quick game of Pointless while I'm making me breakfast. It's great. I don't know how to play that. I don't know what the rules are. I've never seen it. Just ask, once you finish this, just go to Alexa, play Pointless, and you get to play a little round. Still never got a Pointless answer yet, but good fun. Gives me some you know it's just going to turn around and say, did you just say your life is Pointless? <laughs> no, I didn't say that, Alexa, but thank you. Yeah. See, you will be divorced in two weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should I set a countdown? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the book's sort of aimed at, would you say, sort of key stage two, nine, nine to 11, is that right? Yeah, perfect. perfect. So, I mean, I mean... There's a bit of slippage there in that, you know, seven or eight-year-olds could probably read it. And, yeah. and honestly, I, I write books which hopefully adults will enjoy as well, so... But did you make? I mean, do you think it's important to include, uh, like you were saying there about those family di- dynamics and and sort of like the uh, emotional side? Um, because I come across, I'm I as a teacher, I think it's important to touch upon those sort of subjects and discuss them with children so that we can build that sort of empathy, so that children have what's it? Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Resilience. Not not resilience, but it's like empathy, not just sympathy. So they don't necessarily have to go through loss themselves to be able to truly appreciate and understand if a classmate goes through emotional <laughs> dexterity is what I call it, even though I couldn't remember it. So it's, you know, we talk about being ambidextrous, having, you know, using, but so mm-hmm. it's that sort of thing of, you know, not, not necessarily having to experience something firsthand, to then be able to sim- uh, sorry empathise with someone who yeah. might go through. So, so is that intentional with, when you write these things? Are you aware of that? Do you think it's important to include those sort of elements in, in your stories? I mean, for me, um, I writing these books have been a very sort of cathartic experience. And I basically um, have poured a lot of my childhood into a lot of my books and a lot of things... I went through and um, I was, I wasn't a lonely child, not not by any stretch, but I kept, I bottled things up a, a lot and I, I, I never talked about any of my problems. Um, so I did feel rather alone. I remember being, I mean, one of the curious things about having real problems when you're a kid is, is they're really embarrassing. Mm. It's embarrassing to have big, huge problems when you're a kid. Um, and you look at other kids, you're like, oh, God, everything's fine in their house. Yeah. Whereas my house is just 
it's just yeah, well it's just got a lot of problems um so i wanted to write books um which sort of open the lid slightly on that but also for kids out there who are suffering uh, similar problems just for them to feel not alone yeah and that's and, uh, that's the power of stories is that you you, you yeah. can get that uh you can feel part you know that this that it, you're not alone and that when there's stories that you can relate to and you can see yourself in different characters. So would you say the character of Uma is sort of inspired by you and your childhood or did you model it on? You say, say children, how many children do you have? Uh, three children. All right. OK. How old are they? Um, don't put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> Twelve. 12, 12, 19. Alexa, Alexis just took a couple more weeks off the divorce time. Yeah. <laughs> Ask Alexa, yeah. Alexa will know. Yeah, Alexa probably know would. Kid. Um, my kids are 12, 10 and 10. Oh, you've got twins? Yeah. I've yeah. got triplets. No way do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, how was that? Tiring. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm yeah. sure it was. They're roughly the same age. So, well, the nine. So, the nine turning 10. They'll turn okay. 10 in April. Yeah. Um, you're looking remarkably youthful considering you had triplets. That's very, very canny to say it's the filter I've got on this cam- camera that behind cam- it. That, that, that HD cam <laughs> works wonders. No wonder he paid the big bucks. <laughs> oh, I've got to try I think I'm going to invest in one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so were they? Was was the character based on? I, I would say my earlier books, um, uh, which were Charlie changes into a chicken, and yeah. Charlie turns into T Rex, Charlie Morton into a mammoth. They were about a young boy who um, changes into all sorts of different animals when whenever he's anxious, and he faces all sorts of problems. In each book, there's a big problem, and um, each of those problems I faced in 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 a way in a way. Um, So Charlie was very much based on me and my childhood. Yeah. And, um, um, and so he was based somewhere in between me and my son. Um, But Uma is more of a, more of a fictional creation. Yeah. Good. So with those books, the Charlie changed into a chicken, T-Rex, Mammoth is another one, is it? Correct. I mean, if you could turn yourself into something when you were a child, what would it have been? When I was a child, not not now. Well, <laughs> would it be different? What would it have been as a child? What would it be now? What what it would be now would be um, either um, an owl or a wolf. Okay. <laughs> Interesting choices. But it just is how mysteriously you said it. I don't, know, I don't know whether I'm. I don't know whether I'm still getting alien vibes. <laughs> An owl or a wolf. Yeah. Um. Or um. When I was a kid, I don't know. It was bloody forty years ago. What never. Kind of You're never forty. Um. I am forty. Forty-five. You don't look it, mate. Uh, yeah. What I camera you want. got? <laughs> 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 um i think do you know what, I, you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna um uh, make this up uh for drama's sake yeah um, but when i was a kid i remember having a a sort of waking nightmare where there was a big shadow 
on the wall and it was like a huge spider and actually the first animal charlie changes into in the first book is a spider so i'm just gonna say a spider yeah what about you adam what would you turn into well, well, well at first before i'll give adam some thinking time so why now would it be an owl or a wolf because i've always wanted to do poos like pellets <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, because wolves are cool wolves are cool wolves are cool wolves yeah are cool. what about you adam what would you turn yourself into no, it's strict, strictly an animal yeah what do you uh, mean? What do you mean strictly an animal? What, what, you, what, you want to turn into something else? So I was, I was kind of bordering on like Jennifer Aniston's best mate. <laughs> so, so, you know, Jennifer Aniston's share, pillow. We can share their moments together. <laughs> um, but if you're going to say animal, maybe Jennifer Aniston's dog. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, It's a weird sort of 90s fixation you've got. Have you not moved on from Jennifer Aniston? Do you know what? I I'm not gonna lie. I still love Jennifer Aniston. But no, the funny thing is, when you're a kid, when I was a kid, I used to have this like thing where you know I loved like dolphins and killer whales, and I always thought I'd love to be a killer whale in Sea World. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then now I'd be like, God, I'd hate That's to be worse. a whale in Sea World. Um, but yeah, I think I think maybe like a dolphin because because dolphins are well clever as well, aren't they? So it'd be nice to be a, <laughs> quite, quite clever. More uh, intelligent yeah. than you are now. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good what stuff. animal would you change into? Oh, um, I might be a killer whale, actually. Killer whales have always been my favourite animal. So, yeah, maybe a killer whale. Because I think they just... You would eat your brother. Is that correct? What? <laughs> Well, killer whales eat dolphins, don't they? I don't, I don't, no way that Jennifer Aniston's dog's going anywhere near the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking the dolphin, not Jennifer Aniston's dog. <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I mean, the thing with the thing with killer whales, as I've since learned, because I we loved when we went to SeaWorld when we were younger, we loved it. It was brilliant, and then obviously we watched the documentaries about how bad it is keeping those animals in in captivity. Um, but when you learn more about killer whales, they're so sort of social and you just be protected all the time. They're just never on their own. They're just always with their little pod. They hunt with the pod. So, yeah, maybe that just because I'd be in another little pod other than this one. Say, you know what it sounds like? I want to be a killer whale so I can finally have some friends. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to be alone anymore. I need, I need a pod. I need a pod around me. It's, <laughs> It's bringing my, my, yeah, what I had when I was a kid <laughs> coming, coming to light. Brilliant. And, and what sort of inspired those, those stories? Was it the similar sort of thing to inspire this one? What the, those Charlie turns into? Was there anything that particularly inspired those stories? Well, I, I mean, the, when I, when I started writing those books, I, um, um, I created the character first and I created the voice of the narrator because the voice of the narrator is pretty much the biggest thing in the book. I, I, yeah. I, I could, I almost argue. Um, so then it was like, okay, well, I've got this character and I want something to happen. And I knew I wanted to write about anxiety. So, so then I thought, well, well um, what, what happened? What would happen to him? And then I thought, well, if he changes it to lots of different animals, then there's all sorts of, 
fun and escapades he yeah. could get up to. Um, and the sky was the limit. Oh, so you yeah. keep, keep going. So I do about seven different animals in each book. So that's 21 animals. <laughs> yeah, the old maths there. <laughs> Uh, and what, what? So, which sort of authors were you? Were your favourite when you were a child? Is was there any particular author that you know you really loved, and that sort of inspired the writing you've gone on to do? Or I mean, one has to say uh, Roald Dahl. Yeah. If anybody, anybody who does um, uh, George's Marvelous Medicine and Char- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and The Witches and Matilda, it's the king. Yeah, King. He, yeah, he is, he is up there, isn't he? It's funny because I come across some teachers now who they're not completely anti-Roald Dahl, but they're uh, they really sort of because I think there was a time where a lot of peop- people, especially in England, were sort of brought up through primary school on a strict diet of Roald Dahl. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know... Well, there was, there was less variety in those days. yeah. Yeah, you know, if think, you wanted to read funny, there wasn't a huge choice. No, no. And I think it is important. I think that we're starting to see that now because I think there is a tendency with some teachers because that's what they were brought up on, a strict diet of Roald Dahl to then. Because yeah. there was one school I came across where it was like one class, they read the BFG in year three or something like that, and then twits in year four and then they read the bfg again in year five because <laughs> it was a teacher's favorite book in year five and it was a t- and I, yeah. I do think it's important to get a bit of a variety so um so yeah get, getting that sort of a bit of a mix is i think really really important and i think you're right in that nowadays you've got so much more scope yeah. and there's so many different sort of books that you can i mean is there any other author particularly now that you're a you're a fan of um, no, they're all a bit rubbish, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, compared to me, I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it was literally a joke. You're not allowed to sort of cut that into, <laughs> into a sound bite. <laughs> yeah. No, you're um, right. You're right, though. Why not? Big yourself up. Um, no, uh, I think with being, being an author, you go through days where you do think, you know what, I am really good. <laughs> and then you go through days where you're like, oh, I am just a worm. I am useless. I am just terrible. So have you, have you ever been um, swinging? Have you ever been tempted? Alexa, am I a really good writer? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I mean, who do I rate now? Lo- loads of authors, really. I think, I mean, my, my favourite writer at the moment is probably an author called um, Jenny Pearson, who is, um, she's just had a debut out, but I've been lucky enough to read further books. And her debut is absolutely brilliant. She was shortlisted for the Costa. And, and What's that book, book called? The Super Miraculous Journey of Freddie Yates. All right, okay. I'll have to check it um, out. Um, it's brilliant and it's got that great mix between funny but pretty moving. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, uh, and she's got a lot of books coming up which are just absolutely brilliant. And she's one of these writers that I think um, you read and you're like, it makes you just want to sort of throw your pen away, just give up, just like, oh, she's just too good. So good. So good. So good. 
And then there's, um, I read a, a debut recently called The Beast and the Bethany. I thought that was very good. Yeah. And David Solomons is great and Naz Evans. So there's, a, there's, there's no shortage of good, funny writers out there. Yeah. And I mean, you've, you've sort of, as well as being a really successful author, you have, you're also a, a literary agent. Is that right? Yes. That so how's, right. how, how did you make that sort of transition? How did that sort of come about? Um, well, I've worked in publishing for basically the whole of my adult life. I was, work, yeah. I was working in a bookshop for three and a half years before that. So books have basically been, uh, they've given me a good life. But I never imagined that I would be an author. Yeah. And it was only really until I sort of hit um, my 40s, actually. Um, and I was, I suppose I was fortunate enough that I was working in the business. And I, and I had a number of editors say to me, oh, do you know what? We're, we are desperate for funny books. Yeah. We really need funny books. And I was, and at the time, the kids were at the right age. Um, I was reading them funny books. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. Um, and um, then, rather more seriously, I was doing therapy at the time as well. And that fed, it all fed in. So it's these all these sort of factors coming together, which sort of pushed me towards writing. Yeah. And um, and I was just sitting at work one day and um, I started, I, I literally started writing. And from that moment, I couldn't stop. Oh, amazing. So what advice would you give anyone out there listening who, you know, might fancy themselves as an author? Um, what sort of golden nuggets would you, would you pass on to anyone who's thinking of writing their own stories, possibly breaking into the industry? Um, read around the, uh, I mean, especially with children's books, the amount of submissions I see from people, who, uh, from writers who haven't picked up a children's book in 20 years. Yeah. And um, especially, you know, picture books, you would think. Picture books, it's very easy to go to a bookshop, pick up a picture book and see these extraordinary works of art. Yeah. And yet sometimes I see things and I'm like, you clearly haven't picked up a picture book in, in, <laughs> in, a, long, in a long time. Yeah. So you're not you're not doing your homework. You first of all, you've got to do your homework. You've got to, you've got to read read all the competition out there. So if you want to write funny, you better make sure you're reading, you know, the top thirty funny books around at the moment. If you, um, and then start. I mean, are we talking specific? If you're talking specifically writing for children, I would say don't write down to children don't think oh i'm do you know what i'm gonna stick a fart gag in simply because i think children find farts funny i mean okay they might you just need to make sure that that fart joke is actually funny and makes you laugh yeah because when i when i write if it doesn't make me laugh it's not it's not going in i'm not going to write something and go oh a i would never write something and go oh a child would find that funny yeah yeah. You're right down to them, and you, you're not treating them with, with, with respect. Yeah. No, I mean, that's wrong. As teachers, we recognize that. It's like I'm always astounded at the level of, of, of humor, especially from young people, but just the sort of intuition you get from them. And just, you know, I think 
I think teachers are always surprised at the level uh, of which you can speak to children. I think emotionally yeah, as yeah. well, as well as sort of the humour that yeah. they can get. Don't get me wrong, not all of them grasp it. <laughs> and there's many yeah, yeah, occasions yeah, yeah. in class yeah, yeah. where a joke that you know would kill at like Edinburgh <laughs> Festival just falls on deaf ears. But that's where you're now complaining about your the audience not getting your jokes. (laughs) Tough crowd, tough crowd. Yeah, Um, while I'm in the corner going, (laughs) and they're all absolutely loving it. (laughs) No, but I think you are right. I think it's that that's an important lesson to learn. Yeah. Anything? Anything else? Or Um, edit the crap out of things. Absolutely. Um, When I. By the time my book has come onto the market, it's it's been edited about seven or eight times. Yeah. And um, I still pick up my books now and think, oh, geez, I'd love to have another go at that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not a great sentence. So you absolutely need to polish every single word until it shines. Um, I mean, I suppose, again, with humour... You need, it's about landing the jokes. Yeah. So it's about understanding the nature of jokes and it's about building them and then get, getting the takeoff right and then getting the landing right. And it's rhythm. Writing is, is basically rhythm. Yeah. Uh, so you need to understand the rhythm of the rhythm and the, of the language. Yeah. And um, I mean, are you doing much of the home learning with your children at the minute? I mean, home learning occurs in this house <laughs> um it depends sometimes like my eldest daughter came up to me not more than an hour ago and said uh, dad um how did oliver cromwell make the new model army strong and obviously i'm not going to say to her I haven't got a bloody clue. <laughs> I was, you know what? It's all about you finding out. It's a, the the point of learning is about learning how to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so um, never never say I don't know to your children. Never say yeah. that. That's it's a defeat. It, it's the same in school, though, isn't it? I mean, I've said this on our podcast before. You know, I I I don't ever promote myself as a man with much knowledge but um unless that's you know unless it's 90s bruce willis films then i've got it covered but unfortunately 10 year olds aren't that aren't that interested in mercury rising in the jackal um (laughs) but you know a child will say sir uh how, how do you spell this and i'll just i'll just simply go well what use would it be me telling you you wouldn't remember it get a dictionary Whilst I'm just there, like on the laptop, just like, how do you spell? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get tripped up all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, the reason I ask is I'd, I'd be interested to know your take on, you know, sort of the way that we teach English, especially at pri- primary, if you've, if you've seen any of the stuff. Because, I mean, the big focus with the curriculum that we teach now is very much on, I mean, my personal view on it is I think we've gone too far with the technical side of things. Because it's of the spag, the spag test. Same. What is going on with English um, teaching? I feel I feel sorry for everybody involved. I feel sorry for the kids because it's just pure nonsense. It's yeah. just pure nonsense. Fronted adverbials and what are the other things? What, what was the? It, oh, what was it? Uh, an extended. 
break. Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steer ride. Well, how am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Expand, noun. Expand, yeah, expand, expanded noun phrase. Yeah. And all is, it's just absolute nonsense. And I feel, I feel sorry for the kids. I feel sorry for the teachers having to teach it. I do not know how it's lasted for so long. I do not know why it's continuing. Yeah. I, I, when I heard, first heard extended nouns, I actually, I was actually um, on a Zoom call with um, all the directors at my work. And these are highly educated directors at a literary agency. And I said, does any one of you know what an extended noun phrase is? None of them did. No. None of them did. And these are some of the biggest brains in bloody Britain. It's just ridiculous. You don't need to do it. It's, it's, it's killing the love of English. Yeah. And it's completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Um. It's yes. I mean, I know teachers are sick and tired of, of hearing parents rant about, well, about everything, really. Yeah. That is just, it's an easy fix as well. God knows. Yeah. I, I, I think the thing is, it's not, I mean, I think most teachers will agree. Um, and, and I completely agree with what you're saying there, because, I mean, my, my thing is, and I think the problem that we've 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 got with the way that we teach English, especially sort of spag, because I always think we're not. That's what the curriculum is focused on. It's teaching the English language as it was in, you know, seventeen ninety five. It seems. Whereas for me, we should be teaching more uh, literacy, which I feel is something that evolves and changes. And you know, mm. technology's always been at the, the the forefront of that. And um, but ultimately, what it comes down to is is the test. So at the end of year six, the kids have to pass this spag test, where it is very much knowing what that's called, what's that, what's that an example of, and I don't think that makes you a better writer. And I no. think what it forces schools to do, and it forces teachers to do against their will, is sort of teach it with this very bottom up approach, which is you know, what's that an example of? This is how it's put into a sentence. There's a worksheet, off you go. Whereas I feel the best way of teaching it is to do it top down. So you're, you're constantly reading, you're sharing texts and you can yes. still do the identifying. You can still say, oh, what's that an example of? And tick that box. But you can focus much more on the why behind it. And I think that's what we're missing is, you know, I have no problem with children knowing what a fronted adverbial is. But nine times out of 10, they're not being taught how to use it for effect in the writing, which is ultimately what's, the, you know, the whole point. It's like having an arsenal of tools that you can use to engage a reader in your writing. And it's finding that balance. And I think the biggest, for me, the biggest downside of it is there's so much focus on the technical side. I feel we're failing a generation of children uh, as far as telling good stories correct and i think that the the focus around effective storytelling that a lot of the time goes well beyond books as well we're talking you know we're the most dominant species on the planet 
because of storytelling. From the moment we were able to tell stories and get thousands of homo sapiens to believe in the same goal of building society that's how we've been able to move forward and it's still so you know our brains connect with stories in such a special and 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 sort of unique way and i feel like we're really failing children by not appreciating that and focusing on that because we've got to pass this sats test do you know what I mean? That's what, what I think is so sort of frustrating. And I think for a lot of teachers, they recognize that and they do try and make it up by, you know, a big focus on reading for pleasure and sharing stories as much as possible. But, you know, sometimes I read some of the stories the kids produce at my school and I compare it to what, the, you know, kids when I taught eight, nine years ago before this current curriculum. And, you know, yes, it might have a, embedded clause relative clause but it's not better as far mm. as the story is concerned the creativity i feel is is dwindling and i'm not necessarily saying that's just down to the curriculum you know i think a lot of other factors come into it but it is it is frustrating to say the very least yeah i'm sure and it's a it, it's, it's it's a tragedy that could and it's a tragedy that could be so easily fixed yeah absolutely so easily fixed it's a it's a it's an overnight Thing. I mean, okay, it would take a, a while to uh, change the curriculum and change all the lessons and everything, but you've got to bring the joy back, bring the love of stories back. Yeah. And 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 teach teach grammar by stealth. Yeah. And frankly, frankly, you know what? They need they need to know how to spell, absolutely. And they need commas and apostrophes and full stops and quotation marks. They don't need the rest. The rest will. The rest will come. Yeah. The rest will come. Absolutely. Anything to add, there, Adam? No, I just think it's. I mean, obviously, you know, you go proper. You go proper press conference there, Lee. <laughs> it's neat to watch. Um, and, and but I think it's just. I think it's amazing. I think any teachers, TAs, support staff like myself listening to this and listening to you know, an extremely talented author like yourself, Sam, saying that just kind of backs the kind of beliefs that that everyone has, really. I mean, you know, we often talk about what it was like when we were younger and, you know, I, I'm okay. I, like, actually writing, I mean, I'm actually all right, believe it or not. People will be sat, people will be sat listening to this like, bullshit. Um, but I'm actually, you know, I'm all right because I kind of write what I'd say and I'd write what I'd think. And I don't necessarily think about, you know, things like you're talking about, mainly because I don't really know them. <laughs> but also just the fact of, like you said, it's about just kind of getting it out. And then and then I'll go back and think, oh, no, actually, I need to put this there and this there. And I do think, you know, hearing yourself, Sam, saying that, and obviously it backed up by Lee there, it, it, I, think, I think a lot of people take a lot out of that. It's, it, it's true. I think it's just, you know, there was a quote recently like you're only young once you want the best experience you want the most you know I remember when stories used to get read out you know amazing stories about the most random stuff in the world used to get read out in assemblies and 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 sent to kind of be put in a book of everyone's local stories and you know things like that. And yeah. I don't know you know probably still does happen but it's not as it's not as fun I mean I knew a kid who wrote a story once about a dog and it was the worst thing I've ever read in my life, but I was hooked and I'd have bought it. I'd have bought three or four of them. <laughs> but, you know, now it would be like, quickly, 
the dog, you know, and all this. And no, no, no. You've lost it, Johnny. You've lost it. Um, but yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I don't think it came across as uh, as uh, prim and proper as Lee's. <laughs> no, I think I think echoing the same message. It is it is frustrating because you know every kid has an amazing imagination, and sometimes it feels we're on a one way mission to just beat it out of them. And yeah. it's like there's nothing, you know. Um, and I think those with a lot of people be same with yourself if you can keep that level of imagination that creativity that's what gets you the deal publishing wise doesn't it it's the stories first the editing comes after that you're never going to get a book deal uh through a good grammar <laughs> yeah. i mean don't get me wrong you're never going to get a book deal if you don't know your way around grammar yeah but, yeah. but um that good grammar does literary agents are not looking for fronted adverbials. We're no. really not. Just effective stories, amazing stories. That's yeah. what it's about. So yeah. on our on our podcast, obviously we talk a lot about life in the classroom, and um, you obviously write for for children, focusing on children. But what were you what were you like at school? What was a uh, young Sam Copeland like at school? Were you a uh, well? Because me and Adam were very different. So I was more, uh, say more than pet. I, I was, I was in a way. I was Adam. I was Adam. Oh yeah, Adam. the op- opposite end of the scale. I actually um, emailed a teacher not so long ago. Yeah. And because um, I, I knew he was retiring, and I emailed him to apologise for what a, for what a maggot I was. <laughs> in what uh, way were you just? I was just. Um, I was just incredibly cheeky. I still am. Yeah. Still the same person. Um, but I can get away with it now. Whereas as a kid, you know, you're just a cheeky little gobshite in the in What the, teacher? Uh, what what subject? Was it like a primary English, school teacher? English. No, it was my English teacher. He taught me for years. Yeah. Um uh and so I thought it'd be nice for him on retiring to know that um one of his students had gone on to, you know, be a literary agent and an author. So, um, and what did he say? You should have hit yeah. him with one. No, last that's not true. He was very pleased to. Uh, he was very pleased to hear. And, you should uh, have hit him with one last. Uh, you know, like, oh, really sorry. You know, if I did this, and then sent him a copy of your new book with just. Ha, ha. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, we actually arranged. We arranged to go for a drink, actually, and we met for a drink. And I should have sat there and just started humming. Mm. <laughs> is that you no it's not me mm. <laughs> was that you go to go to uh so i actually can't home. remember whether i ever actually did that i um i remember the, there was a a game that used to say a particular swear word yeah and what you'd be you would next to your mate you would whisper it and they'd have to whisper it slightly louder and then you'd have to say it slightly louder and then you'd have to then and, and, and basically until one of you got told off for shouting a swear word at the top of your voice <laughs> bit like um oh, what was that get was it bogeys that dick and dom used to play where you'd be in a public space and whoever could say it the loudest oh i didn't realize oh exactly exactly that game yeah but that came late. That, that, that was more recent, but, yeah. Thought they, I thought they actually put bogeys on people. No, like, no. It was just what? a game of bogeys. So they'd be like in a library and then they'd have to take it in turns to say bogeys as like, you know, 
yeah. and and it'd be however loud they got away with it before they got caught or told to leave. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that game, but with with a worse swear word. <laughs> I don't even know whether I'm allowed to swear on it. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I've no idea. Um, ideally, no. But I mean. What? Okay. If it happens, it happens. We can bleep it out. But uh, yeah, we. Why? Can't. How, how bad was the word? <laughs> how bad was the word? Bleepable. No wonder you had to apologise. It was bleepable. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to take a stab in the dark and say that English was your favourite subject at school. Was that was that not the case? Um, it was a close run thing between English and history. Right. And what was it about history that you enjoyed? Was it a teacher or the content? I was just useless at all the other subjects, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> it, was it wasn't, it wasn't that I was particularly good at those subjects. He's like, well, like, I can't do maths. I can't do chemistry. I can't do any of these. So yeah. that's, I was just a typical art student. <laughs> I think they're quite closely linked though, aren't they? Because with history, it's a topic that you tend to write a lot in, isn't it? You know, you get your essays, you get your... I mean, we had a fantastic history. Do you remember Dopey Dave, Adam? From oh, our... do I, do I. Yeah, My dope. goodness me, how, how, he, how he was a teacher, or is still a teacher, is beyond me. I remember he, 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 he tried to read a history textbook and the textbook was upside down and he couldn't understand why. It was. <laughs> I always remember he was this history teacher where we all had to write an essay. I think it was about the Second World War, it might have been about, I'm sure the essay was something along the lines of how Hitler rose to power. Yeah, yeah, classic, classic. Yeah. Yeah. And, Six um, reasons why Hitler rose to power. Yeah. I can still my, remember them. <laughs> yeah. My mate wrote a an essay where he basically compared Hitler's rise to power. And you've got to remember, we're like 14, possibly 15. We're very immature. And he, he compared it to how Jordan was trying to become an MP for Stretford and Ermston at the time. She was campaigning to be an MP. So he, he wrote this essay comparing the two and Dopey Dave gave it like the top <laughs> the top yeah. marks and clearly just hadn't read it at all. Yeah. <laughs> because there was no comparing Jordan yeah. at the time who wanted to be an MP for Stretford and Ermston to obviously Adolf Hitler, but yeah, he was... Uh, Did he actually want to be an MP? Jordan did, yeah. And it was in our local area. That's She campaigned, yeah. I mean, she's tried everything, hasn't she? She didn't get voted in. But yeah, it was it was one of them because that was the age where the lads on at our school would be buying FHM loaded. Nuts. Nuts. Zoo. 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 Yeah. So yeah. she was always in one of them. So yeah. yeah. But a uh, short-lived career as an MP. Well, she didn't even get voted in, so... I don't know why she chose our local area, though, Stretford and Ermston. Such a weird... Weird area, because I don't even think she lived around here at the time. But anyway. <laughs> our history teacher, giving it full marks. She then, she, she then got a different MP, didn't she? Most penises. <laughs> Hang on, hang on, you can't say that and me having swear words bleeped out. Penises is not a swear word, is it? Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I'll tell you, I I was not allowed to write the word penis in a children's book, but I really? was allowed to write the word willy. Mm. There you go. Wonder what why about, that is. What about penis 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 pen
What about what did you say? <laughs> I said, what? what about... <laughs> Look at Lee's face. I said, what about meat, mate? <laughs> <laughs> no, spam javelin wasn't allowed either. <laughs> spam javelin. <laughs> no other pink piccolo. None of them. None of them. <laughs> oh, I would be like, if he turned around to you and said, oh, I'm really sorry, Sam, you can't have penis. But you said, oh, no worries, I'll change it to meat flavoured lollipop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Great. Um, what was the subject you hated the most? Which subject did you absolutely detest when you what was the worst one? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the one that stands out really for me is physics. Right. Uh, as I bloody hated physics. Oh my god. And now. Physics, one of the most interesting things you can you can learn. Yeah. Um, but back in junior school, um, I think I enjoyed everything in junior school. Yeah. Really. It was only when I hit sort of 11 that I was like, all right, I'm out of my depth here. I can't. Yeah. A bit before then, I could just I could just phone it in, basically. If we had phones then, which we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you always... One ago... Have you, have you, did you grow up in Manchester? Yeah. Yeah, so, right, so schooling was all in Manchester, all through Manchester as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, was in, yeah I, I left Manchester when I was um, 18. Right. And what, what, so what? I was, I was my, my heyday in Manchester, 17, it was, was sort of 1992 was my peak, peak year. Hacienda. The stories from that are not podcastable. Were you Hacienda? Did you go to Hacienda back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because oh, yeah. we missed that. By the time we yeah, were just yeah. about going, we missed it. We were yeah. the um, we were the binge Alcapops, you know, going out on a tenor. And Hang on a second. Don't try and claim binge drinking as your generation. We, listen, I remember, I remember going to get 50p tequila shots <laughs> at the subway bar. You go with a fiver, you get 10 tequila shots. Yeah, and but I thought like the Hacienda days was much more the sort of... Oh, yeah, but we did both. We did everything. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to reveal, yeah. <laughs> we, we swallowed it down with a shot of 50p tequila. <laughs> yeah. Those are the days, eh? Those, uh, so is that sort of music you're into? Are you, or what sort of music? It Was that the... Um, I mean, I, there was a, there was a few year period. Actually, you would understand this. There was a few year period when when my, when my children were really young, where I lost um, I, I lost what was going on with music. Yeah, just, that, just a few years, but then you know got right back into music and big part of my life. Yeah, yeah, always was, always will be. Any particular genre? No, because Manchester's just. I think it's the best place in the UK as far as music's concerned. What's come out of Manchester? Ah, yeah, 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 absolutely. I Can't mean, it. any any city where at the same time as having the hacienda, you had Stone Roses. Yeah, was was, was nothing finer. Nothing yeah, finer. Absolutely. Um, so no, so physics were subjects, and it was it again. Was it just the content or teachers? Well, I mean, I didn't really like physics. I mean, to be honest, you look back at the you look back at the subjects you hate, and you think, was it the subject or was it the teachers? Yeah. 
because some teachers they really don't like you and you really don't like them yeah and that's just that's just how it is um um so uh i mean it's difficult when you're really learning about physics and, and equations i couldn't do equations to save my life but but is it possible to make those interesting and fun? Is it possible to make a 13-year-old child, yeah. you know, excited about, you know, physics equations, SUVA and God knows what else? I, I don't know. I don't know. Get get um, get Jennifer Aniston as the physics teacher. <laughs> you are literally obsessed. <laughs> Do you know which one I could never get? Chemistry symbols, like all the oh, yeah. I'm, I'm that with... sort of stuff. Because I really like chemistry to begin with. You know, in like year seven, you do all these sort of um you burn magnesium. Yeah, yeah, all the experiments, and it was great. And then it seemed to be like year eight, year nine, it was like, right, you've done all the fun stuff. Now we're yeah. gonna get you to write equations. Yeah. Where yeah. I, and I phew, lost me. I was gone then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? You're never going to get a podcast about about chemical equations, are you? Well, <laughs> no. they probably are actually, but I don't know this one. It'll be quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm, 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 with, you, I'm with you both. Uh, yeah, which 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 was your like science, um, science in general for me? Because could you, Adam, were you did sorry you, when you're did you doing your GCSEs? I think my internet. Can you hear us? Yeah, sorry, I think my internet's playing up one second. Uh, you right, are, you, are we good there? Well, yeah. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is, you know... Um, you hear me, yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah. GCSE, did you do three separate sciences or did you do that dual award? Was that around? I think I, I'm pretty sure I did the dual. Are you talking to me? Well, either of you. I did, I did well, I think I dropped one, but um, yeah. it was chemistry, physics, biology. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because that was the thing, couldn't you? you? Could do when back in my day, you could either do them as three separate GCSEs, or you could do it combined, and you'd get two GCSEs, but you do all three. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I did the two. But if you remember, in my my time, I was like the only person that they allowed to to drop more than more of the amount of subjects, like because I was you know, struggling a little bit. But yeah, science was, I just, like all of it, I, I, I genuinely hated all of it. And if you give me a year six science test now, and now I don't want to make myself look bad because I work in a school, but <laughs> I mainly do PE. Um, but I, I would fail, I would fail a year six science test. There's not a doubt in my mind. that I had to teach like... Um, or oh, I say teach, I had to kind of monitor as the children were doing this uh, this kind of um, knowledge thing on light, light and sound. And honestly, I was I was sat there thinking, please, please don't ask me, please. <laughs> Wishing you had an Alexa Wish, in the classroom. That, another tra- Sorry, it's, it's another on. tragedy in the in the what we're all sat here basically saying we didn't enjoy science for whatever reason. And now I think there's nothing more interesting than science. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Now. Like, I can't get enough of it now. Like, just learning, yeah, reading exactly. about the vaccination and how they've discovered mm. that and the way it works and the way it, you know, sort of, when it goes into your body, it sort of creates this 
Oh, I can't remember any. <laughs> As I was reading it, I was like, this is fascinating. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, this is so... Like, I think this vaccination that they've created is easily one of the best scientific discoveries possibly yeah. in my lifetime in the yeah. time scale and the way they've been able to do it. I mean, it, it really frustrates me that, you know, it's being talked down because people on the internet think it's, you know, all that sort of jazz. But mm. I'm hoping in, ta- in time we'll look back and think of, the, you know, the one thing that will come out is that the way the science community came together to create it's a horrible. vaccine, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah. um, you know, I've got so much respect because they do not get anywhere near enough credit you know, we talk about in this whole situation, we talk about, you know, heroes and and but if you think about the job they've been able to do and they don't get any anywhere near the sort of it's, credit and it's respect. funny, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, people go out and if you try and you know, if you're a single, if you're single trying to get with a you know a suitable partner and you're kind of going, Yeah, play football for Man United or or yeah, I do this, or yeah, I've got my own business. If it was me now, I'd be like I was one of the scientists that came up with the uh, COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> My name's uh, Adam AstraZeneca. <laughs> <laughs> David Pfizer, nice to meet you. <laughs> but that's the thing, not one of us, I mean, not one of us can, I say that, but can, can, can any of us name a single scientist who's worked on a vaccine? No. I, I, I have a vague recollection of, of there was a Turkish scientist who worked on the Pfizer vaccine, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't for the life of me remember, remember any of their names. It just they should, they should be up in bloody lights. Absolutely. It's such a sad state of affairs when when you've got these Instagram influencers say justifying why they're out in Dubai. Because and and I don't know if you saw that last week. One of them was on this morning basically claiming she's a key worker and her being in Dubai and posting about it on Instagram, you know, is cheering a lot of people up. Which I think Jesus is absolute rubbish. Christ. Yeah, yeah, we don't know who the the scientists who were, you know, sort of single-handedly sort of solving this crisis we're going through. So yeah, at least this podcast is 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 sharing and sort of promoting that and sort of bigging up those scientists who this managed is, to is get. Closest, th- sorry, this is the closest I get to being an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> But it's right. I mean, we've just talked there about how boring science was at school and these people have been able to stick with it. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> go through that. God, Carry yeah. it on to them, go on and do amazing things. So absolutely. Yeah. Almost. I mean, we talk on this podcast about, you know, the disgusting things that you find in primary school. And most stories just involve, you know, vomit or sick or mm. teachers being projectile vomited in the face and that sort of thing i mean is there any stories that stand out from your school days that you'd say were particularly disgusting or anything along those lines um disgusting stories um i'll tell you one story go on and this is this is this is it's not in the slightest bit disgusting but it's one of those like did it actually happen yeah did it actually happen a kid (laughs) brought a gun into school and shot the gun. Really? Yeah. First you had my curiosity. (laughs) Now you've got my attention. (laughs) What what type of gun? I I don't bloody... Like a a hand... Like a pistol. Like a handgun. Like that. And all I... The only thing I remember is in in this... In this... (laughs) in, In this... 
classroom. It was like a lunchtime. It was like the loudest noise I ever heard. And we just scattered. Absolutely really? scattered. Yeah, he got away with it. <laughs> Bet he did. <laughs> Stay well away. <laughs> um, I wonder if yeah. anyone listening out in America is just like, and? <laughs> yeah, that's not no. a story. <laughs> that's no, just man. a normal Wednesday. Yeah, that's Tuesday, dog. A school in Manchester, that was a pretty big deal. Actually. 0161, money on the map. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. that's scary stuff, that. And I remember when Manchester not, not I remember expelled. before the one was put in there. That's how old I am. <laughs> was it the kid not even expelled? He, don't, he never even got caught, no. Nothing happened. No. Even though it doesn't necessarily count as a disgusting story. I definitely think someone probably shat themselves. <laughs> kind of get it together, can't we? <laughs> yeah. I can go in the disgusting category. Um, yeah. so looking back on your uh, education, when you was there any particular teacher that stood out that was a huge inspiration? Who sort of, you know? I mean, I remember a teacher. I remember a teacher that I had when I was seven. Yeah. She was just so lovely. Mrs. Smith, she was so lovely. And she was the one that really got me on these, these, this chain of books. Yeah. It was a scheme called Wide Range Reader Scheme. And I, I was reading these because, you know, almost because I was loving them, but I also wanted to impress her. Um, I think maybe looking back, I probably had a crush on her. Um, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, there we there. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was she was really um, the one teacher who stood out. And I think in junior school, you get these teachers who were just lovely, yeah. just lovely and sweet and caring. And especially because I think I, I was going through a very tough time at, at that age. And she was clearly just the right teacher at the right time. And that's all it takes, doesn't it? You just get one teacher who can unlock yeah. that love of reading and, and you're away. Look at me, here I am now. No. Talking to a pair of Mancunians on a podcast. <laughs> Big up, Mrs. Hey, Smith. Yeah. I always wonder, like, do, do, do you think she knows? Do you think she's aware of the impact she's had? Or, you know, because... Who knows? Nothing... I, wouldn't be I wouldn't even begin to know what... I suppose I could ask the school or something, but then I'd worry that they turn around and say, really sorry, but she's dead or something. Yeah, horrible. yeah, yeah. And that'd be a tragic end. Oh, she died last week. I know. Oh, the restraining order's still in. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you, were the, you were the rather creepy <laughs> seven-year-old, weren't you? Yeah, that was me. You were the, the drooler. Um, but no, I mean, what I, I think that's like, you know, looking at, at our jobs and, and, you know, with Lee being a teacher, me being at HLTA, and the teachers will be listening to this and stuff. I think it's such a great uh, sentiment, that because it, it sometimes gets lost, doesn't it? Like, you, you know, you're doing your job daily, and, 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 and I love it. I love seeing, uh, you know, or like getting the odd visit from children who you had years before. And you see them doing well. You see them that they still got the manners that you were kind of, you know, really getting them into. And 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 I think that just like simply that, and and the kind of light bulb moment of when you when you kind of teach a child something, and and then you see them kind of use it. Um, you know, simply just catching a ball 
I mean, I, I, I was showing a, a kid the other day how to catch a ball. Honestly, he must have been chucked about 20 tennis balls. He caught one of them. And then this week, you know, a bit of, you know, keep your eye on the ball and hands together, make that little, you know, all this. And then suddenly he's catching a bit more. I just absolutely buzz off at me. I mm. actually get goosebumps, like, full on. So, I mean, I think that, you know, if, if Mrs., uh, Mrs. Davis is out there, you know, hook some up with your number, let's get this going. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Smith. Smith. Oh, Miss oh, Davis was my teacher. You got me thinking about the ones I used to <laughs> No, but I mean, it's interesting that you did go with someone from primary school because I often wonder because, you know, I've been teaching now. To be fair, the sort of the, the first class I ever taught are early 20s, turning 21, 22, I think. So mm. probably still not quite there where you see them go on to be successful so I think my only claim to fame is that there's a child in my in my first class who's now qualified to be a teacher um, wow. and and the mum that's amazing yeah and the mum said you know sort of had an impact on that which is which is nice to be fair though with the workload issues in education at the minute I'd have been like run stay <laughs> <laughs> away no um yeah, so, I mean, if you could change anything about the education system from your knowledge of it, being a parent, being an author, what is it that you would change? The teachers. No, that's a joke. That's literally a joke. <laughs> um, and, and there's our soundbite. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> oh, my God. You'd ru- ruin my career. Please don't. God. Um, <laughs> um, I mean... I, honestly, I don't. I, mean, I don't know enough about the school system to yeah. uh, to, to, to to dare say what should and shouldn't be changed. I mean, I know I rant about um, the, the the grammar, which we all rant about, but that is a, that that to me is the starkest, most obvious, and easy change. Yeah. To make. Yeah, and I think a lot of people when they say. When we when we do moan about the grammar, it's almost as if we're we're saying it's not important, and and of course it is important. It's right. so so important. Yeah. But I just think the way we're as teachers forced to teach it for that test. I think if we were to take away the test, I think that would be the easiest way to to change it because I think a lot of teachers then wouldn't feel under the pressure of your performance management being linked to the test. Your league, you know, the league tables of SAT scores determining how yeah, successful. Yeah. You know, if you took that away, we probably wouldn't put as much of a focus on the terminology and the, you know, the type of questions we ask. I think that would free us up to then teach it much more in context, so that you know, ch- children understand how important it is, but just aren't then turned off writing because of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping this year because there's no SATs this yeah. year. And I, I was sort of hoping that, that the teachers would go, ah, feck it, you know, we're not going to bother doing, but I, obviously they have to stick to teaching what they're told to teach. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe the, come the end of this year, there'll be a, a sort of a, a, a rethink. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, I never talk to anybody. I, I don't have ever spoken to anybody who's like, oh, yeah, fronted adverbials. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Even bloody, you know, well, you know, in my day, we learned fronted up. Nobody learned fronted adverbials in my day. Nobody no. did. No. Was- I, I, was just, I was just thinking I would absolutely 
hate to meet someone who's just like, oh, yes, I, I truly believe that frontier adverbials are needed. I'd be like, mate, yeah. <laughs> Do one. If you want to meet, uh, just 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 meet Michael Gove. He's he's the one who pushed it all. He's the only person on the planet who thinks it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know anybody else, and I work in that bloody industry that should care about that sort of thing. Anyway, yeah, it's what it is. Right. So, last question before we uh, wrap it up, and this is one that we always ask ask our guests: If you could go back and speak to your ten-year-old self, what would you tell them? Uh, do you know what? I, I, we're going to have to finish on quite a serious note. <laughs> um, because um, I mentioned therapy before. Yeah. There was a, um, uh, one of the key moments in therapy for me was, you know, when I grew up, I thought, oh, do you know what? I went through all these problems as a kid, but you know what? I got through like a rock, solid. And then um, uh, I went to therapy and the therapist asked me that very question. If you could go back to ten-year-old Sam, what would you what would you say to him? And it was in, it was it was a sort of life-changing moment for me because it suddenly I suddenly saw myself as that vulnerable ten-year-old child, yeah. um, and I look at my own kids who are sort of similar age and think, Jesus, they're just tiny, they're just yeah. tiny. So, and the, the answer I gave them um, was, I'd love to go back and tell my ten-year-old self that. Um, everything will be all right in the end yeah oh amazing i can't believe we've we've come up with a question there that's similar to life a life-changing question there you go yeah literally and you know what if it hadn't been for that question that single question that sent me down the road to writing books that very question it's about questioning your 10 year old self and you know i write books for the for my for the the 10 year old self yeah Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing to know that's the sort of what's brought it all around. And you've obviously gone on to be so successful off the back of it. It's um, yeah, it's quite inspiring. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a, a beautiful, beautiful way to finish. I'm not going to lie. I did think that you were going to say to your 10 year old self, um, you know, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> yeah. just, just just tell her the truth. <laughs> this, yeah. Take it, take it, take a stab at it. What's the worst? Exactly. That yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't win the lottery. You don't win the lottery, Sam. <laughs> um, no, I, I tell you, what, a, what a great way to finish. And like you said, Lee, the fact that we've asked a, a proper question there is <laughs> blowing my mind. You finally got there in the end. You made it. <laughs> it took us nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> Oh, Brill. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for your time there, Sam. We've absolutely loved it. Thank you for having me on. It's been great. Great to chat. So um, where can everyone find, I assume your books are on Amazon. Is there any any other... um, All good bookshops whenever they open. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, And Waterstones and Independence, they're in all the shops. Brill, Brill. Well, all the best with the new book. I'm sure it'll be just as popular and just as successful as your other ones. And uh, yeah, thank you so, so much for chatting to us. Um, And hopefully we'll catch up again in the future. It's been a blast. Thank you very much.